passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Welcome in. This is the Bite Me Podcast. We have some really good news right out of the chute. Caleb McCumber is sipping on something, and it's kind of brown in color and has a bunch of ice in it. So who knows what's going to happen uh, on that show today. Even better news for me and Scott, uh, the camera angle on Caleb's head is from the top, so we see his receding hairline. So this podcast is uh, welcome to the club, Caleb. This podcast is off to a booming start already. And, uh, you know, who knows where we're going to lead, where we're going to lead. A couple of uh, things uh, real quick before we get into the topics. Um, Merry Christmas and happy holidays and all that good stuff to everybody who uh, subscribes to the podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcast, as I always say, and is a member of the uh, Bite Me group page on Facebook and just listens. Uh, even if you just stumbled across this podcast, I think you'll enjoy it. I don't think 7,000 people on our group page can be wrong. We love it. Uh, I just, uh, you know, it's always uh, my favorite hour of the week, and uh, we're just glad to have you, and we are nothing but appreciative to anybody who listens to this podcast and uh, takes what they can. Uh, every level of fisherman listens, and we get some great feedback. Got some last weekend, uh, which was really cool, and uh, we'll get to that. Topic-wise, since it is the holidays, a couple of holiday-related topics. Uh, drivable fishing destinations because you know it is that most wonderful time of the year and in this case i'm not talking about christmas i'm talking about days off uh, so days off means it's a wonderful time of the year and you can uh, take that uh, drivable fishing destination maybe for two three four days or longer and then maybe you know well, we have some people looking for that big gift uh, on their significant other and they've been thinking about buying getting them a uh, fishing destination a vacation fishing destination uh of the not drivable uh category and uh we've got some spots for you uh, i've been very very fortunate with my work i've uh, traveled pretty much all over the world and uh, been able to see and fish uh pretty much everywhere i go <laughs> i end up fishing uh so we will get to that and uh great topic that you know i had with uh forgetting who it was, but I was talking to one of our listeners um, about, uh, oh, actually, Scott, I think it was at uh, the FTU show. Uh, we were talking about maps. Uh, we were talking about maps and how there are certain thing, times and instances where maps can offer a little something that even GPS doesn't because I use one of those top spot maps, as you guys well know, um, 
pretty much as a as a tablecloth in my little trailer. So it had some miles on it, had some food stains on it. So I got a new one and that's how that discussion came up. And I thought it was a really good one that we can share with our uh, listeners. Uh, also, this is very timely as well, because uh, I was on the short end of this for a while. And then I was smart enough to make the change when lure color matters. It did matter this past week. And I'll explain that. We didn't get to these two last week. One of them, Captain Scott's going to love. One of them, Captain Scott's going to hate. Baitcaster versus spinning reels, uh, also an offshoot of our expo discussion at Fishing Tackle Unlimited. Uh, and then uh, the barometric pressure hot zone. Is there a sweet spot? Uh, so you can, uh, we, were, we were trying to get to it last week, Scott, because we knew you'd just be kind of rolling your eyes and, and uh, speaking uh, like the two old men in Sesame Street from the balcony. Uh, but either way, we're going to get to that. Uh, and one more, so to speak, shout out before, uh, uh, we get going here. Happy birthday to Scott. How about that? Today is, uh, Scott's birthday. Uh, and, uh, that, that's always a good thing. I don't know if you're going to share the number or not, but you don't not look as old as you, huh? <laughs> not as now old you as are. you are. Now you are. <laughs> I got you by several months. Uh, and so, yeah, you don't look a day over my age. Uh, so <laughs> we'll start there. Hope you guys have been doing good, man. Um, and I'm talking to, to Scott and Caleb. Scott, let's start with you, because one thing I didn't mention going through the topics is a little more progress development with uh, oystering in, in uh, the state of uh, in the Gulf Coast and, and specifically in the state of Texas. It's really, really a very, very important thing. We had some great questions on that also at the FTU uh, uh, Expo. So to expand on that, you know, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? What should we expect? Uh, Parks and Wildlife did their sampling. Uh, you know, they closed San Antonio Bay and they closed some other bays. So that pushed every, all the oyster boats further south. Then uh, they, they just hammered Carlos Bay. Mm -hmm. uh, Chuck Neiser was doing videos out there as he's running along. It was just oyster boats side by side by side all the way across there. And those are some important reefs right along that stretch. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're familiar, you know, first chain, second chain, third chain of islands, uh, those are chains of islands that are based off of oyster reefs. And they were hammering them. And Parks and Wildlife came in, did some sampling, said there wasn't enough percentage of oysters of marketable size uh, in that area so they closed that area well, mm -hmm. they just moved over to copano so now they're just all of them are they're getting concentrated more and more and more into these smaller and smaller places and so the the effect is that they're really hammering what yeah. re, what reefs are available to them um with flatsworthy you know like i talked about at the at the show at ftu uh, flatsworthy and cca have their oyster initiative that they're working on uh, they sent the letter up to Parks and Wildlife back in November. We talked about that a while back. Uh, it's the rocks rolling downhill. Yeah, you know, it, we've we finally shoved it over the edge, and now it's starting to roll a little bit. So keep your ears open for that, and get involved if you can. Uh, the more people we have talking about it, the the more chance there is of getting something done. Uh, they're not trying to shut down oyster harvest completely. Don't mm -hmm. you know? That's the narrative coming from the other side is uh, they want to do away with commercial oystering altogether, and that's not the case. They want to set aside significant reefs as sanctuaries uh, that can't be run over by the oyster boats. That provides a base 
you know, to start with to repopulate the oysters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're also talking about doing leases for the oyster men. I like which, that idea. Yeah, that that's great because that make that gives them some ownership mm-hmm. and gives them a reason to farm it responsibly. And then they're also talking about doing some other reef deals uh, where groups like CCA, Flatsworthy, you know, conservation groups can come in and work on the reefs and rebuild them. Mm-hmm. You know, make them better. The, this all started because of Hurricane Ike. Uh, during Ike, the silt came into Galveston Bay so heavy that it it covered up. They're estimating eighty percent of the live oysters in Galveston Bay. Well, just killed them. Yeah. Um, and Galveston Bay was traditionally where most of the oysters in Texas were taken from. And so once that happened, then all the pressure started moving further and further south. And mm-hmm. that's what got us to the point we are now where they're just over harvesting. And Caleb, I want to get your thoughts that, that Scott laid it out perfectly on, on, you know, why everybody should be involved. And, you know, we're, we got this question at that expo and next week's podcast is going to be that entire question and answer. It was a lot of fun. That's going to be our podcast for next week. But I remembered after we we left there, um, one thing that I wanted to mention uh, to them, so I'll mention it here and then get your thoughts on how the fishery, you know, has been affected and will be affected and, and why we, we need the oysters to be in somewhat more control. One thing I forgot to mention is this is a this is a very big strain on game wardens, like a, like a huge strain on game wardens because they, they, they board a, an oyster boat. And then they have to go through all the oysters that are there, uh, you know, all the licensing and all that. I and mean, you want to set that aside for a second, but you, you can only keep oysters that are three inches or larger in terms of from point to end to end. And if you have more than 5% of your oyster hall smaller than that, you know, the, the, then you can get in some big trouble, but you also have to return all the smaller ones. Um, I feel as if this, is something that's just so hard to police. I mean, it's one thing if somebody sees, um, you know, somebody catching some undersized reds or, or more, you know, more than four trout or whatever, five trout or whatever it is. Um, but that is really hard for the game wardens to police. So I feel like this is being abused a lot by uh, oyster people. I know obviously there's some good ones. I'm not putting everybody in the same boat, so to speak, but you know, this is something to stay diligent about. Now let's talk about oysters and oystering. And, and fishing, Caleb, because this is one statistic that just blew me away that I did mention in that podcast that we're going to have next week. One single oyster, one three-inch oyster filters 50 gallons of water a day. That's just one oyster. So when you think about what a reef has and what it might do or not do if we lose the oysters, um, the fishery, and, and that's where I want you to come in, is just absolutely directly adversely affected. First off, the, going back to the game wardens, Daniel's condo where I stay at in Matagorda is straight across from where all the oyster boats are harbored at. And I watch them come in. I watch them go out every day. I have not once seen a game warden come check on them there. All right. I'm I'm running. I'm around the boats in the bay. I'm around the boats intercoastal. I've never seen them check. So until there's some accountability there, then, you know, it just is what it is on that. As far as the the health of our fishery, it, it relies hugely on oysters. You know, I, I, I haven't really, I know that the 50 gallons is a thing. I haven't really noticed a big correlation between clean water being around oysters, but I do know that 
the oysters filter them out and that's why you only want to eat them in the wintertime because they're less bad stuff inside of them mm-hmm. but on, on top on top of all of that there's a lot of fish and prey that live on those live reefs and you know you look at hannahs and peppers and little hannahs and all that stuff over in galveston and we've got we've got some reefs in east matagorda and you know those are places that your average weekend fisherman can go catch fish and have a good time you take that away and start making it a bunch of little niche spots then it gets a lot tougher for people to catch fish consistently yeah yeah and uh and and we'll get to that <laughs> for sure because we do have some uh some good fishing uh discussion i think uh today um but but scott just to, one more follow-up from your perspective the clean water where you are and further south um you know and and obviously where, where caleb and i fish i haven't over time i've noticed a lot of deterioration with oyster reefs and some other things some grass etc the the water color a lot of times we almost write it off to well it's just bad water color today but when you start stacking up you know bad water color and more bad water watercolor and more bad water color it's not just a coincidence it's because the oyster reefs are getting ravaged yeah, there's an article in Texas Saltwater Fishing Magazine this month. Just came out, got mine today. Uh, they've got an aerial shot with a drone. And I would say that in this one shot, there are probably 20 or so oyster boats within one shot. Mm. I mean, that, and it's not that big of a, it's not like they were way up there and they took yeah. a, you know, it was a drone. entire bay. Yeah. It was just a drone shot. And all around those oyster boats is just dirt. You know, where they've been dredging and dredging and dredging. And that's bad enough as it is. That's always been the case. You know, anytime the oyster boats moved into an area. But now, without the filtration effects of the oysters, uh, that turbidity just stays. Mm -hmm. There's nothing there to filter it out. What that does, it ends up killing the grass. Uh, You know, you get, get enough turbid water, blocks out the sunlight, it can kill the grass that's around there, too. Yeah. I think we should explain what what we're talking about here, because I would I would guess that probably ninety five percent of our audience doesn't really understand what these oyster boats are. You, there can be five, ten, fifteen boats on one reef, and like Scott said, they're dredging bottom, they're dragging stuff and ripping the oysters up. And there's there's five to fifteen of them just driving in circles on top of this reef for a while and and tearing it to pieces. It's not one boat going out there and plucking some oysters and coming back. This. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The bunch of boats bringing bags and bags and bags of oysters in and i i I love to eat oyster just like the next guy but at like you know there has to be some sort of regulation to you know maybe the oysters cost a little bit more money because we're plucking less of them out of the water well scott talked about uh you know farming responsibly you know if they have some sort of lease ownership uh, of that reef then those little three inch oysters that's maybe some uh you know ambitious or uh you know uh, whatever you want to call them, oyster oysters or uh, cullen, they'll throw those back a lot more willingly, and, and then and they'll grow, you know, because 
let's just be honest. You talked about it, Caleb. You don't even see, and I don't blame the game warden. I mean, these guys are, are, are very few and far between. You got sometimes two or four guys that are responsible for an entire county. Uh, but what I'm saying is if, if they can't get to those oyster boats and there is no, you know, responsible type, uh, you know, lease that they can do, they'll just keep those, those sub three inch uh, oysters. Well, I've, I've sat and watched these oyster boats go and there there's regulations. Like you said, they have to take, they have to take small ones back to the reef. I think they even have to take, you know, all the extra holes and stuff back to where they got them from. And they are, okay, well, they they have to return that that was a law that went in a while back mm-hmm. they have to return 30 percent of the shucked oyster fill back to the reef well i'm watching them rake them off of their boats in front of the house and i've called game wardens and you know i don't mean to be the jerk by any means but i called the game warden and said hey come sit on this come, come sit on my porch yeah. we'll sit here and hang out and have something to eat and you know you can you can do something here and never showed up never really cared about it so i mean they're they and 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 the folks that work on the boats they're I've met quite a few of them and they're not a whole lot concerned about anything other than making their check and going home. I, I mean, fairly enough, just like anybody that goes to work every day. Right. Yeah. But, but I mean, they're, they're not considerably uh, really concerned on, on doing the right thing either. So without some, without some law enforcement, I don't really see an improvement in that. All right. So we, there's also more follow-up on that uh, from our discussion, as I mentioned earlier, uh, let's get some, some happy uh, Christmas vibes going here. Uh, I'm off, uh, well, I'm actually off, uh, from Friday this week all the way past, uh, New Year's weekend. So you know what I'm going to do outside of the, the, the holiday stuff, I'm going to be uh, going fishing and it got me thinking, um, about these drivable fishing destinations. That's another discussion we had off air with, I had off air with a listener. He was asking me like, so I got three days off. You know, I always go, I forget where he said, but uh, I always go here. Where would you drive, you know, if you had like a day, you know, a a day drive to go somewhere uh, just different and unique. And and I want to, I want you two guys to tell me, I know you have more than one option, but the first place that, uh, that popped into my mind outside of, uh, you know, South Texas, actually South Texas was my first one. You know, I want to drive down like deep South Texas. uh, That's a good, pretty good haul from where I am here in, uh, in, in Houston. But the first place I thought of outside of the obvious one is, uh, Mobile, Alabama. I, I, I fished in Alabama a few times. Um, and I think it's point clear, uh, is where I stayed and Mobile Bay is, is gorgeous. There's a lot of, um, uh, fishable places. Um, and I know we have some listeners in Alabama. So if you, uh, you know, if, if, if you ever, uh, want another guy on your boat, I'll drive, uh, I'll drive the eight hours from Houston and, and spend a couple of days with you because I had a good time there. I think I've mentioned on the podcast, Scott, maybe before uh, Caleb joined us, some of the biggest flounder I ever caught were outside of Mobile in Mobile Bay. It's, and it's a lot of stuff to take the wife or girlfriend or husband. Uh, if you're the fisherman and you're near the woman, uh, in the relationship because there's just all kinds of cool stuff there, old houses, all this other stuff. Um, I, I was trying to think of something more unique and, and I think he's actually going to end up doing it, but Mobile Bay, that whole area right there is, is just a great day trip. Well, not day trip, place to drive for a long weekend. We get to take a boat. Or we can. Day, hey, man, your rules. <laughs> your boat, your rules. That all changes right. it. Where, yeah. where are you going, Caleb? Man, I do it all the time. Uh, it's It's two two and a half hours to the closest water in louisiana and that's whenever we're just going off to play and have fun that that's where we're usually going um you know it's one of those things you get there and 
sometimes there's fish back in there. Sometimes there's not, but you know, when you get there, it, you know, it is what it is. It is beautiful. There's alligators, there's otters and nutrias. And, and then, you know, if the fish are there, it's even better. It's just something different that you don't see over here at all. So whether it's a good day or fishing or not, it's usually enjoyable. I was really interested in what Scott would come up with because Scott, probably more than Caleb and I combined, you've driven. I mean, you've made some drives. Now, some of them aren't reasonable in terms of like someone driving <laughs> six, eight, nine hours and then spending two days there and driving back, you know, because you've gone all the way into Florida, which was ludicrous, but you were doing it for tournaments. Like, let's say you had that, that six, eight, six to eight, nine hour drive to somewhere really unique for a drivable, you know, destin- fishing destination when you got some days off. Man, you shut me down because I was going to <laughs> You were going to say Key West. You're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even like Key West. I don't like the Keys as much as I like the Everglades, man. Yeah. The Everglades is special. How long yeah, a drive? Oh, uh, 20. Oh, good Give Lord. Give or take. Well, save that one yeah. for the best vacation fishing destination. We've, we've made that trip in one <laughs> in one day. <laughs> I'm sure you have. I've I've done it a couple of times. Yeah. Uh We've done Orlando, you know, that area over there and gone over to the Indian River Lagoon. And that's about a 12 hour trip, give or take. Okay. All right. That, that, uh, that's that might be terrible. Drive. Uh, Tampa Bay, the whole area around Tampa, there's some good, good stuff back in there. Some mm-hmm. just fantastic mangrove uh, jungles back in there. Uh, as far as closer, uh, the panhandle right there where it turns mm-hmm. in Florida. That's that's a reasonable drive. I mean, it's a little a little longer. further than what where I'm where I'm talking about. But yeah, not uh, not completely reasonable, unreasonable. Right. Uh, God damn, I'm drawing a blank <laughs> on the name of the little town there. Uh, Camille and I went and spent a week over there, and you got tarpon rolling around in the bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's really good looking water. You know, really clear, a lot of grass. Uh, just and it's old Florida. It's not the condos and the you know all that built up stuff it it's more feels more like louisiana and, mm-hmm. and mississippi the you know the the true southern coast uh I, I don't know why i can't think of the name of it but i will in a minute well you pop, will in a minute because head. uh, the, but, the, uh the, go, go ahead uh, mexico beach is one of the one of the spots along the the bay there mm-hmm. they got tore up by a hurricane two years ago like i think we had been there two weeks before yeah. And I was supposed to turn around and go back with the DOA guys. We had a big trip planned. We were all going to Mexico Beach, and it was no longer there. Uh, the house we were going to stay in got completely destroyed. But uh, that area there uh, has always fascinated me. You've got rivers that run into it, spring-fed rivers. Mm-hmm. So you got some really cool stuff in there. And now let's go to the best vacation fishing uh, destination, uh, as in uh, you know, getting on an airplane. Uh, for me, um, while you guys are thinking about this, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give mine for me, if I'm going to get on an airplane to go fishing, um, well, first of all, let me back up a little bit. Some people may not know this about me, but you know, I I spent uh, 17 years as a columnist and a, and a writer for the Houston Chronicle. And uh, I covered a lot of international sports. I did a bunch of world cups and Olympic games and Pan American games and goodwill games and all this other stuff. So I would go to destinations kind of all over the world for sometimes 30, 35 days. So I always found a way to go a couple of days uh, fishing. Uh, when, when I was in Australia, um, I went to Surfer's Paradise. And 
it was stupid fun. Uh, just absolutely great. You know, I, I also fished a little bit in Argentina when I was in there for the Pan American Games. So I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, a $10,000, $5,000 trip, but get on an airplane and go somewhere. For me, I want to go catch something. And I think, Caleb, you fall in this boat, Scott, as well. I want to go catch something I, I can't catch here, you know, or I don't catch here. Um, I want to go to Belize uh, and, and catch some of the species down there from, you know, you know bonefish to everything else. Uh, that would be my number one. My number two would be, uh, and you can catch certainly a bunch of offshore fish here, but I generally am fishing in the bays. I want to go to Cabo, Cabo and, and I want to go offshore easy, offshore, not a lot of work, and, and get some big, fat, healthy offshore fish. Uh, Caleb, I'll start with you. I've done the Cabo thing, and that's a lot of fun. It's yeah. like you said, you drive five miles, and you're in swordfish and big Dorado and all that. Um, man, I tell you, my my vacation destination and if there's anybody out there listening to the show that would has the means and would like, like to take me. a cre- <laughs> and would like to take a creator with them to document their trip the uh the the amazon for peacock bass in brazil that's my you number tried. one you tried my, I tr- i've tried man i've tried so many times mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll take another shot right now yeah uh, but uh then i you know costa rica for snook and tarpon and but uh but by far the 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 peacock bass in, in brazil just seems like the cat's me out of me. I almost got, I almost put uh, the chandelier islands. Cause that's one place I still haven't fished around here and that's drivable and you can fly or whatever you want, but I'm going to do that. We are going to do, we still need to get together our, our bite me chandelier Island trip. Uh, of all the places I've fished all over the world, still haven't been to, to one of the best places, which is so close here. But what about you for vacation fishing destination? Get on an airplane and go fish. Uh, places I've been would be Belize uh turn of highland uh it's just incredible fly into belly city and you take a, about a 90 minute boat ride to go out to an island out in the middle of nowhere uh, there's two resorts on the island and one of them's for diving more and one of them's for fishing and turn to flat uh, t flats lodge mm-hmm. uh, look it up some of the best bone fishing the easiest bone fishing you'll ever do and mm-hmm. permit uh permit is my nemesis <laughs> i want a permit so damn bad and i've been told that that's the reason you can't catch one well, to catch a permit you have to not not care it's your flounder yeah you just <laughs> you, you tell a permit i don't really care if i catch you or not and you just chunk something you'll catch one yeah but if you really care about it, it ain't gonna happen it's mm-hmm. like a it's like a flounder in a tournament is what that was <laughs> I, I was gonna compare it to jack rebels when i get customers in the boat they just want to go catch jacks we can drive all over the beachfront and never find a stinking one. Of oh, them. yeah. But if we go out red fishing or something, Jack's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But permit, I mean, they're just so picky. You know, you got to do everything right to catch one. Uh, that's the ultimate fish for me is to uh, to get a good permit. Uh, as far as places I'd love to go sometime, you know, like, like Caleb said, if there's someone out there who has the means and wants uh, some good company, uh christmas islands out in the pacific mm-hmm. and go catch uh, gts uh i've heard the stories i've talked to a bunch of people people been on my boat have gone over there and done it uh they destroy tackle you know the guys will go over there and they'll bring two 12 weights you know a main one and a backup and come home with two busted ones <laughs> they'll, they'll come home with a real i mean nice reels that get blown up yeah they, entirely blown up a fly reel just because they're so fast and so strong 
Now I'm surprised it, none it of us like fun. Uh, know, I'm just... surprised none of us said uh, Alaska. Uh, I, I, I've been to Alaska, Scott. I believe you've been to Alaska uh, fishing, uh, Caleb. I, I'm not sure on you, uh, but that that's the that's a go to easy, fun. Everyone will love it trip as well. Yeah. After that, after that six day stretch of no electricity last winter, I'm good on Alaska, bud. <laughs> but you go in the summer. Have you seen the mosquitoes up there? Yes, that was one of the worst they, things about it. In fact, that might have been the only bad thing about it. They got grizzly bears. They got mosquitoes. All the people that can't function in society because they're too dang mean moved to Alaska. This is they're true, just, too. I mean, no. Nah, y'all have fun. Send me a picture. Uh, I, book. I had a blast. Book for next September. <laughs> uh, but are you going? Yep, I'm booked for September next year. That's the end of the run there. Uh, uh, but you're going to have a blast. But I will say this, all due, due respect to our, we've got hundreds of listeners in Alaska. I sent you guys some of the, the analytics of this podcast. Alaska's strong on this podcast. I think it's the same premise of some of the fish up there. So all due respect, but everything Caleb said, it's true. <laughs> you, you, rough, don't, you don't, you don't, go to, up there, yeah, you don't go to Alaska to just chill out and relax. You mm-hmm. have to like you have to be on your head got to be on a swivel at all times <laughs> i watch i watch alone i watch the, the 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 frozen show where the guy has to catch fishes to keep his dogs alive yeah i mean uh, oh, poor old sue out on that runway man she got the pistol looks like a howitzer just to go break her water trough it's not mm. well I, I, that, that's also funny you said that because uh, one of the days when uh when we were going you know fishing in, in alaska and we we would catch halibut out in uh I believe it was Ketchumac Bay. Yeah, it was Ketchumac Bay, and we were based out of Homer. And but we were on his boat, and we spent four nights on his boat uh, in Ketchumac Bay. And then in the evening, when we go to sleep, we'd go up into some of these creeks and rivers and coves and stuff. Well, one morning we were going to go up one of these coves, and uh, we were in a little rubber raft type, you know, skiff that he had on his boat. So we're going back out there, and he goes, "Oh, oh, oh, Lopez, hold on, hold on," and he gave me this forty-five caliber revolver and put it around my chest. And, uh, and I'm like, uh, well, are there bears out there? He goes, well, I normally haven't been giving it to you, but uh, somebody said they saw a bear up there, you know, yesterday. I'm like, well, what the hell am I going over there for? <laughs> Remember, you can't show fear. You have to stand your ground. <laughs> oh, I was showing okay? fear. I was, <laughs> I couldn't even enjoy that morning fish because I was like, my head was on a swivel. I was like, I was knee deep in water, thigh deep in water casting. And I was like, where's, when's the bear going to come out and say, what's up, fella? Hey, boo boo. <laughs> Did you bring the picnic up? basket you look delicious you catch one for me <laughs> yeah. hey guess get another catch another one is that a keeper he's like <laughs> make it i'll easy. let i'll let oh luann over at luby's catch all of my halibut she yeah. does a good job man it was a fun trip though so uh, uh the, uh scott i believe you were with me when i was having this discussion i was buying my new tablecloth which is the, the top spot map <laughs> and uh i use that in the trailer and uh it was your friend, I think, that brought up the question, uh, oh, man, that map, you know, and we laid it out a little bit. And uh, certain things we were talking about, certain things that just come in handy on a map. I would highly recommend just even though we all have the GPS and the sonar and all that stuff, like a lot of times I'll lay out a map either before or after a trip just to kind of explain, all right, this is where we're going in. This is where the shell is. This is why you want to uh, you want to go this way. I think it's just informative, but you can also learn things about fishing and where you're going to fish as well. Yeah, it's just easier to see the entire bay system and how it interacts with the other bay systems around it. Uh, you can see the 
the channels that connect bays and uh, wind directions, you know, and overall wind direction, how it how it would affect an entire bay system. Uh, it's just a bigger picture. You know, it shows you a little bit more of, uh, it's not as detailed. You know, yeah. It's not like our GPSs and the satellites and all that stuff that we've got. That That's the micro. This mm-hmm. is an overall, you know, this is the billboard that you're looking at. The reason yeah. I like it, Caleb, is because uh, when we're looking at our maps on our 9-inch or 12-inch screens or whatever, we're on the water and we're in fishing mode. We are in the midst of it. Um, the reason I look at the map, and that's why I made it a tablecloth, so like breakfast or the night before, I can look at it. And and this is a question that I had for you, and this is how I try to figure it out sometimes. How do I know a certain back lake is going to be maybe clearer than another one? Well, you can kind of see it. Well, the wind's going to be coming from here. This place right here might be where I want to start because it just seems like it'll be more protected. And as Scott said, you can kind of see like the breadth of, of, of you know, the body of water that you're fishing. Yeah, that map's going to have a more true compass on it so you can put together where what the wind are doing. They The maps, most of them have historical data that, you know, hey, there's oyster here and grass here and fish, you know, this is a fishing spot, that's a fishing Rex. spot. Yeah, um, probably the number one thing that, that, that your GPS isn't going to tell you, and it's a little bit off the fishing topic, but it, it, it your GPS doesn't tell you we're going to get boarded by the Coast Guard if you pull up in here where that map, you know, might say restricted area or something on it. Oh some, yeah, That's a good I had point. some buddies learn about that during a tournament last weekend. The, the Coast Guard gave them a great big no, no, don't come back here again. So, <laughs> yeah, and their GPS did not tell them don't go in there. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that because they're they're definitely very clearly marked. I actually got a little bit of a shout out to one of our listeners. He sent me this book and uh, I don't know, I've never really seen it before. It's called uh, Fishing Atlas from Sportsman's Connection. So I was, he just, he's just a listener and wanted me to, to enjoy it. It has some saltwater spots, a lot of freshwater spots and I can spend hours just looking at, uh, you know, bodies of water maps and uh, things like that. And as Caleb said, the historical thing, I don't know, maybe, you know, we're more old school, Scott, but I just like to, to look at it and just kind of get it, get it in your hands. And as I mentioned to, to Caleb, when I'm, when I'm in fishing mode, it's a quick look. It's like, let's go here. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. You know, and, and we're moving. I'm thinking we're going to, whereas the night before the morning of, uh, you know, I can really get a good feel for things. And those hotspot maps, I mean, that came out when I was a teenager mm-hmm. and, and that opened up the whole new world to everybody around. We didn't have GPSs. We didn't have satellite. We didn't have all that stuff. And being able to open that up and look at how bays interacted and man, that really is a long ways across there. Or yeah. man, that's a lot closer than I thought it was, <laughs> you know, that, when you're running a 14 foot jumbo with a little 15 horse motor on the back of it, <laughs> that matters. It, it made a big difference, you know? Yeah. yeah. It makes a big difference. All right. So next topic is about when lure color matters. So last week I was uh, fishing by myself. Uh, uh, my, my buddy was, was fish, was fishing with me the, the, the morning before and we were doing all right. We caught a few fish, but I was out and it was actually Captain Pat, 
uh, Caleb, but we talked about it in last week's podcast. He was going to be out there uh, on that Friday. So I, I bugged out there and uh, met him out on the wall on Friday and he had, uh, you know, he had kept Nick with him. Um, I mean, he had uh, like four guys on his boat. It was really, really cool. And so, you know, we're, we're trying to find fish and we always talk about profile, Scott, yourself and me, uh, dark color, light color, doesn't really matter. Sometimes it does. I mean, uh, just flat out. And I, and I had the most uh, vivid uh, example of that um, on Friday. So I was drifting, caught one trout, I believe, but it was really slow. Uh, I text, I called Pat, you know, and he, he came over to where I was, but was drifting a little further out. So I'm, I'm you know, a good 500 yards behind him, whatever it was, and still didn't catch anything. So I said, I'm gonna go bug up there and and uh and just putter next to him and and see you know see how he's doing and say hello so as i'm puttering up nick captain nick mosley who's you've heard on the show just boom i mean really nice trout it was actually very very nice trout especially for a drift right there where we were and i'm like whoa i was going to ask you guys if you've caught anything but i guess that's the answer and then as i'm chatting with uh, pat boom he caught another one i'm like what the heck is going on here they caught two and i've had one in three hours um and so we just start chatting and he goes yeah just pull on up we'll drift together so we were pretty much side by side drifting in the same area and boom boom two more fish and i'm casting and i hadn't caught anything um and obviously you know i trust and have confidence in my baits and then nick turns around to me and he goes oh they're hitting plum and maybe he doesn't want me to say that but (laughs) i just did (laughs) he goes they're they're hitting plum they all had the same color uh, on their lure, on their plastic, and they were all catching fish. Lo and behold, I dig into my box. I, I, uh, the first thing I saw was that knock and tail uh, plum. Put it on my uh, put it on my on my jig head. Second cast, boom, trout. So clearly, in specific instances, and Caleb, I want to get your thoughts on this first. That one color, I ended up catching about I don't know I don't know twelve or fourteen trout, um, all throwing on plum. It does matter occasionally where it's not just about the profile. I have a case of those ordered actually uh, oh, that yeah. night. That well, night I like ordered. <laughs> yeah, I ordered a case of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because we were out there Saturday, and um, I, I started all my people off with different colored lures because it it, it was I don't know I just I just had that feeling it's going to be one of those days where things could be fickle, and as they're fishing and fishing, fishing, I'm paying attention to when they're getting hits, where they're hooking it up and paying attention to where they get hits. And then I'm constantly changing lures about every five casts because I, we're in area. Well, we, we were drifting the color streaks. It was the day I posted that picture of that, that yeah. big trout on the page. I think you were, we're where we were. Uh, or thereabouts. No, no, no. I mean, maybe, yeah. um, I, I, well, we were drifting these color streaks and so I, I can see bait in them. You know, I know there's fish there. There's going to be fish there. And, and just after about five or 10 casts, I'm not getting hit. I'm changing colors ever so slightly. And I ended up with, um, some chicken on a chain and some plum stuff. And that's what we were throwing as well. And uh, there's definitely days where that matters. You know, I tell a story about one February, whenever the whole bay people couldn't get bit and we were absolutely smoking the fish, but we could only do it on a purple and chartreuse queen cocoa minnow. I mean, there's, yeah, there's times when it, when it doesn't work. So if you're out drifting and things look fishy and they should be fishy and you're not catching them, well, that's time to start cycling through those colors and straight tails and small ones and big ones and paddle tails and colors and 
you know, the, the dash of my boat, you couldn't see the dash because I was, take I was ripping, and... I was ripping plastics off my hook like yeah. crazy. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, uh, again, you get a sense for when there's fish around you or not. And if you're not getting bit, there's no reason to keep throwing what you're throwing over and over and over. Okay. Uh, Scott, I, I know you're really good on the theories on why, and, and you, and that's one of the things I love that you bring to the podcast on why certain things happen. Why, why is that? Why? I mean, the color hadn't, wasn't any different from the, the day before when I was catching fish on, on a different color. They're weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's my scientific. That's uh, your theory. Yeah. yeah. Fish are weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen it a couple of times where it really mattered. Um, usually something like a plum, you can get away with, you know, you don't have to have plum necessarily. You can, you can get away with a, a, shad, a red shad mm-hmm. or something a little, Something along those lines that's a little darker because let's be honest, our, our water's not that clear and yeah. underwater, those colors kind of mute out. So oh, I'm 95, 99% of the time, I'm more about, we talk about it all the time, you yeah. know, the shape and, and, and how you work it, wiggle your worm, as Dean likes to say. Um, I've but seen it a few times. It does know, happen. Over the years where it happens. You know what I can't wait for is when I pull up to the ramp next week or this week, and how many people are going to have plum plastics on their <laughs> on their chicken? Well, the the jokes on them because uh, it was the uh, the red shad paddles hell that caught all the fish at the end of the day. Oh, I say all the fish, the majority yeah. of the fish on the boat. So, like like Scott said, the plum was working for y'all. We ended up at red shad, and and that was doing well for us. I think I I think it had a lot more to do with that one was a paddle tail and one wasn't. To be honest, yeah. When uh, I, I I can't wait to get a text from Mike Acrylic over at Knock and Tail. You're like. I'm running out of plum. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Which, of course, a uh, good, good opportunity to mention the Bite Me 20 um, uh, promo code, uh, which you can get at My Coast Outdoors, Bite Me 20, and you get 20% off plum or any color uh, that you want. Uh, and next you week, it'll it. be a different color. Yeah, yeah. Uh, red shad, whatever it may be. Uh, oh, by the way, Deadly Dudley has that. That's what I, that's what I was uh, actually uh, throwing the day before. Uh, and it wasn't my normal color either. It wasn't the electric chicken and it wasn't the, the clear with the red speck. Uh, it was the salt and pepper, which is so far away from plum. It's not even funny. Like, like 24, less than 24 hours earlier, same spot. I'm throwing the, the deadly, 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 you know, salt and pepper with the chartreuse tail, just, you know, catching fish. And then the next day, they're throwing plum. They're hitting plum. All right, I'm on plum. But uh, Deadly Dudley also has the Buy Me 20 uh, promo code at DeadlyDudley.com. So, all right, so this was one. It was a great moment uh, in in the uh, the live uh, recorded show that, that you're going to hear next week. So we were talking, I think, I, I forget what it was, Kaylee. We were talking about something not related to, I think it was like how people are casting or something. And that one fellow over on the back left, I think you asked him, well, what kind of reel do you have? And he kind of goes, oh, spinning. We were talking about putting line on your reel. Line. That's what it was. Yep. It was the line. And, uh, and, and you said, well, what, what kind of reel do you have? He said, oh, I got a spinning reel. It's, I mean, it's just crazy. The guys in Florida will say that about a bait caster. If we, if we were doing a show over there, First of all, Caleb, with you, why is this still the case? I've always thrown bait casters, which is why I predominantly throw them now. But I've been throwing a lot more spinning, especially into the wind. 
Um, before we get into bait caster versus spinning and what you can and can't do and, and pros and cons, why is that still the case that people are kind of like, it's less manly or something uh, to throw a spinning reel? Um, it is. <laughs> oh there's the uh, answer moving on yeah next uh, yeah. Uh, i mess with people i i got i have four shimano stratics in my in the front seat of my truck right now um that i have a time and a place that i use them and they're on my boat every single day we all on three of the four rods on my boat they were catching trout the other day were were my stratics mm-hmm. um i a spinning reel it, it does a good job it there it, it's easy to cast you know one of my customers said the same thing he said man i can throw a bait caster but i like this spinner because i can just throw it as far as i want to and don't have to worry about it and that's true um i think i think a lot of people i think they get used to the way the bait caster balances and fills in their hand to me i'm more precise with the bait caster um, my, i work my lures better you know it's less strain on me throughout the day it's a lighter the 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 weight balance is in my hand instead of under it so it's not wearing my arms out so that's i think that's why most people at least in this area gravitate towards the bait casters and you know we're just going to make fun of people that don't do what we do and it's just that simple <laughs> but you know spinners are great i, I throw spinners I, I will not throw a popping cork with a um bait caster won't do it i used to do it all the time um won't do it uh into the wind, you know, or somebody that just, just has a hard time handling a bait caster. It, it's, it's, it's a good tool for, you know, men, women, children, emphasis on women and children. Uh, <laughs> but in, in the same fact or the same manner, uh, I think that people that really hate on spinning reels haven't had a nice one. Cause Bingo, that's, that, that's what I was going to say. That's what I was yeah. going to add when you were done. Cause, yeah. Cause that's where I was at is I threw, um, man, those pin battles, I threw all kinds of stuff like that because they were, they were relatively cheap. They were tough. My customers could use them, but man, they were, they were just miserable to use. And then I think Scott got me a Stratic three or four years ago at the fishing show. And, uh, I, I took that thing and holy crap, they, they can feel good and they can cast good and, and all that stuff. So, you know, that, that's, that's probably the biggest part of the bias is people that are really aren't into spinning have never had nice spinning stuff yeah scott that's exactly what i was going to say i think most people enter the uh the real market with a a, a 22 dollar you know uh, spinning reel and, and it turns into mush um that's not how you should do it but but so your thoughts on that and what caleb said but also you know what baitcaster versus spinning you know what what you would use it for uh, you get to different areas and it, it, it changes. It's, it's really strange being a, a sales rep you know, and coming from the Houston area and growing up Galveston, Port O'Connor and throwing bait casters, you know, that's what we did. And then when I started being a, a sales rep and started venturing out and going further South, the further South you go in Texas, the more it turns into spinning. Uh, you get down to Corpus, it's 50, 50. Yeah, you get further down and the spinning reels really kick off just like florida go over to louisiana the same thing it's about 50 50 and then you get further over and it turns into all spinning and mm-hmm. they look at you cross-eyed with a bait caster in florida I'm, the reason they throw them over there a lot a lot of the really good fishermen like ed Zayak and mark and them, they skip up underneath the mangroves they literally you know like skipping a rock they skip their baits way up under the mangroves and that's hard to do with a bait caster mm-hmm. it's, it's a almost an instant 
professional overrun that uh, as soon as that, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, you can do it. I mean, yeah. I've, I've done it a lot, skipping baits, but uh, if you screw up, yeah, <laughs> it, it can get bad real, real quick. Whereas with a spinning reel, it just, it, it skips really easy up underneath there. Mm-hmm. And my biggest thing on them was the accuracy. I was terrible putting it where I wanted it. And the more I fished with them uh, over time, throwing lighter lures, I throw a DOA shrimp quite a bit and throwing that thing, just practicing. And it's what you get used to. You can feather it down with your forefinger. And just like what we do with a, our yeah. thumb on a bait caster, you can feather it down with your forefinger. And that's, I, I learned that from watching those guys over there. So I've gotten where I don't mind throwing them. I'll still grab a bait caster over it most every time. Uh, but on my boat, I always have spinners. Yeah. I I learned real quick as a fishing guide that if a customer's coming and they you ask them, you know, uh, do you prefer bait caster or you're gonna say. spinning reel? And they say, I don't care. Bring the spinning reel. Bring the spinning reel because if they don't care. Yeah. Most <laughs> of the time, if they're not bringing their own gear, they're, they need a spinning reel. Yeah. That, that happens all the time. When I first started off, well, I got, I got a whole set of brand new Corrado's brand new rods i got it all hooked up i was coming home with wads of line in my pockets every day from having <laughs> get to a little expensive out so get a little i expensive. switched over to spinning reels let me ask but like both... caleb said I, I went to good spinning reels i didn't yes you'll see that with a whole lot of guides they buy the the really really cheap spinning reels they call them they're just they're disposable yeah uh, you know they buy that 19.99 29.99 spinning reel and at the end of the season, they chunk it, or sometimes partway through the season, they chunk it and put a string up another one and go. Yeah. I would prefer to buy the really good one and have my customers throwing something that's comfortable for them and easy to use. And they might want to get themselves. They, yeah, it's something they enjoy. And we're representatives of the fishing tackle that we use, you know, out on the water. So I always want to put something really nice in their hands and i can't tell you how many times at the end of the day a guy says man this thing's a whole lot better than the one i have uh what is this and they'll look at it they'll take a picture of it and then they mm-hmm. go up and fish tackle unlimited and go buy one yeah uh, it makes a difference it you know, does make a difference when let me ask both of you this let me ask both of you guys this because this is uh something that i would use i'm with you uh both of you guys 90 95 of the time i'm I'm throwing my bait caster, including with a popping cork, only because I'm just, I, I, I throw it a lot. I'm, I know how to do it. I get good distance or whatever, but I know most people don't uh, with a popping cork. When I use it, Scott, and I'm going to start with you because I think this is something you might have more experience with. When you're working a shoreline, like trolling down a shoreline, it's very, I shouldn't say rare, but it, it's, it's more rare than not um, that the wind is always going to be blowing in the same direction or at your back. Um, you know, the wind can go in different directions depending on because you're working different shorelines etc so much easier for me to just drop it into the bucket with a spinning reel into the wind when i'm working a shoreline yeah i mean it is what it is when you when you have that wind coming in your face being able to turn around and chunk it you know you're fishing with your back to the wind Mm -hmm. most of the times and then something pops behind you and you spin and you make that throw I've had it on my boat. I don't know how many times where a guy with a bait caster has been doing fine all morning. And then 
that that redfish boils up behind us yeah and he spins and throws it into the wind and he's got this big old bird's nest uh you're looking at if me. he'd had a spinner <laughs> you know it'd been all right yeah but those of us that grew up with it that automatically computes in our head though you know so we're we've got a different mindset about it a different advantage to it we can turn around and realize hey i got to put more thumb on this thing you know mm-hmm. it's not about changing the settings or anything you don't have time for that but you just use a little more thumb growing up they just called it an educated thumb yeah and you either had it or you didn't or you you know switch to spinning reels well um caleb uh, now now we're going to get to talk about uh barometric pressure and 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 the hot zone and so i guess uh scott's going to now go pour himself a a, a good stiff drink just because of what we're going to be talking about uh and because he, he he wants to um uh, there you go <laughs> he's got his would you would out. you like some <laughs> he's got his bottle out uh, Give me a virtual pour yeah exactly uh so so caleb there's a there's a certain number that i don't want the barometric pressure to go over um uh, because i just feel like things shut down uh, i think you know you and i were talking about i, I experienced that uh from one day to the next couple of weeks ago um they were, the conditions were exactly the same the uh it was probably closer to a month ago but uh, the water was exactly the same the fish were there the bait were there um the the day before i you know, I had one of my better days in recent in recent months just just killed the fish trout redfish everything the exact same conditions the exact same everything except the pressure was higher and I actually, you know, was, it was like, man, I was, I was just kind of like whining to you. And you said, hey, I don't think I can uh, think of as the pressure. And then I, I didn't even look at it at the time. I looked at what it was and I was like, Ooh, that's right. I mean, this is real. No matter what Scott says, this is real. Isn't it? <laughs> it, 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 it's dead real. You know, yesterday, cloudy, lower pressure, but he's caught some big old trout today. Bluebird, high pressure. Talk to Pat. Pat, who absolutely hates sight casting redfish out of the boat, was sight casting redfish out of the boat because they couldn't get a trout bite going this morning. It's all about the pressure. I mean, when it, you know, it just is what it is on this, Scott. Just <laughs> accept it. All right. It is what it is. It's, are, are we, are we on board, Scott? But, but to answer your You're question. You're too entrenched now. To answer your question, 30.1 and higher is where I start going, eh. But, you know, if it's 30.1 or 30.2, but moving, I'm okay with it. It's when it's that dead, steady, not doing anything that, that that's whenever I start getting a little bit squirmy about it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're going fishing either way. If the, if the pressure is high like that, I'm probably just going to fish deeper or, you know, figure out something else to do. I'm, not, I'm probably not going to be wanting to wade in two feet of water with a barometer that's cranked up at 30.2 and, and steady. Right. Uh, and I'm glad you said that because I'm, I'm looking at my app right now that I always look at uh, before I go fishing. And you said 30.1. I'm generally, I'm all about it. If it's, if it's 30 or under and rising or falling, if it's rising or falling at 30 and under, uh, my confidence level is, is so high. You want it in the high 29s and, and that's oh. going to be the sweet spot, right? Oh, that's, that's dead. Fantastic. That's yeah. awesome. And, you know, um, the other day, whenever uh, that Saturday, when we caught, when we were catching fish, it started about 30.0. And by the end of the day, it's about 29.90. And, you know, that was the result of that front coming through, which I don't think Scott can argue with us that 
the fish eat real oh, good right before a front. And we're all and, about equal time here. And oh, Bill Nye over there can't can't deny <laughs> that there is a huge drop in the barometer right before that front when the fishing is fantastic. And those couple of days after the front, that barometer goes way up and stays up. Um, but you know, it's uh has nothing to do with the barometer. All right, Scott. Counterpoint. He just put a dip in. I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it, fishing is very good before a front, no doubt about it. Why? I don't know that it's barometer. I really, I've, you're I cloudy. Like why? It, it's cloudy. It's overcast. It's that low light period. Why, well, why is what, it cloudy what, and overcast? What's associated with cloudy and overcast, would you say, sir? <laughs> it's not the barometer that's causing the fish, it's the conditions. Have you ever seen around. have you have you ever seen low pressure create bluebird skies? It doesn't happen. That's right. <laughs> Nature doesn't. But I have also had some of my best days following those fronts. Oh, my my I biggest trout to date was two days after a front, bluebird skies, just as full moon, all the stuff that you absolutely hate. You know, you can catch fish on those days. That there's there's no doubt about it. But those days we caught three or four fish all day long too. But I mean, there's no reason to not go fishing on that day. It's what are the best probably... sight? What are the best sight fishing conditions? Well, listen, we're talking about Blue redfish. Days. <laughs> but we're but we're talking about the coolest fish on the planet that is down to have a good time ninety nine percent of the time. I mean, that's not a fair. That's not that's not even fair right there because that's what I'm doing tomorrow when it's bluebird. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be catching those reds. But if it affects fish, redfish or a fish. Uh, well, redfish are fish. It doesn't affect them. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it doesn't much, affect them as much. As much. <laughs> yeah, they're, redfish they're just... also will eat. You know, if you know, if you if you put a shrimp in front of them when they're on your boat, you know, when they're flopping around on your boat, they'll eat. <laughs> Have I told the story about the bull red that 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 Daniel caught in Louisiana? Have I told this story? No. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, story time. We were in this pond, and Daniel catches like a 34, 35 inch redfish, right? And he, it was on a gulp shrimp. He would just swim in a gulp shrimp on a jig head. We get it in the boat. I pop the lure out of his mouth. I put the rod in the rod holder. I throw the lure over the edge of the boat so Steve doesn't find it, right? We Daniel takes a couple of pictures and whatnot. We let the fish go. Daniel's rod lays over, and the reel starts running again. And I was like, damn, he caught another fish just sitting beside the boat. So I set the hook. I reel it back in. It's the fish we just let go. <laughs> I, if Daniel wasn't there to witness this, I, I wouldn't even try to tell this story. So, mm -hmm. I mean, redfish are just the master species. I yeah. mean, they're, they're the coolest thing on the planet. There's, there's no other way around it. But I, won't, I wouldn't go so far as to say it doesn't affect them because the, I was talking to Lowry today, and Lowry said they were real spooky. He said they were getting about one in ten to eat, and, and Lowry is pretty darn good at making them eat. Yeah, and, and uh, all I know is when I see those little cobwebs starting to form on my rod tips and, and the rod holders on the boat, I'm making a sandwich because we ain't going to catch anything. And the only reason that is happening is because of the high pressure. You know, the high pressure is so high, it's putting those little cobwebs in. Scott, you know I'm right on this. You don't have to, you don't have to like it, but you know it shuts down when you start seeing the little cobwebs forming on your rod tips. John just says it is what it is on that. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to end that debate. <laughs> it is what it is. It is, it is what it is. Interestingly <laughs> enough... It ties in perfectly. In it. it ties in perfectly with uh, what you guys would do on the water. Uh, what would Scott do? What would Caleb do? 
And uh, Caleb, lo and behold, uh, tomorrow, Thursday, uh, the pressure is going to be pretty high uh, midday. Uh, 30.16 is what I'm looking at. Um, and so I'm guessing that's why you're going to be red fishing. But what would Caleb do Friday and Saturday? We got some uh, pressure, you know, as low as 29.9. And by the way, these are low numbers for those who don't really follow it that, that closely. Under 29 in the evening on, uh, on Saturday. So um, it's, it, you know, what would you do? And I'm, I'm not trying to extend the, the barometric pressure conversation. But I'm looking at Friday and Saturday for sure. If you know, presuming uh, uh, you're going, then I'm going to be going after Christmas. Uh, but just what would you do this weekend and after Christmas? Ah, sitting here looking at it, I'm probably that's probably a way way to South Shoreline scenario. With I mean, the winds are pumping; they mm-hmm. they're they're ripping out of the south. It doesn't look like there's a front associated with that, where it's you know sucking out of the south and coming back around on us. I'm probably going to be waiting. Um, the water temps are, you know, they're going to be warming with the, with that sun. So I'm going to be waiting up in the shallower water as the sun gets a little bit higher and, and you know, anticipating a big, a big fish laying up in that sun warming up. That, that would be my game plan on Friday and Saturday. Before we get to you, Scott, early next week is, is you know, a lot of people are going to, you know, obviously do Christmas family stuff. If you, if you do have those days off as we started this podcast, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, let's extend yours into the early part of next week. Pretty good weather. This weather's going to stay a little bit of rain here and there, but uh, for the most part, pretty good. Uh, what would you do, Scott? Everything I'm seeing is stable. I mean, it's really, really, I mean, 60s to 70s on the yeah. upper coast, yeah. uh, 70s on the middle coast and on down. The only day that Eason has a little bit of high winds, middle and lower coast on Friday. Other than that, uh, it's south, southeast pretty much all up and down the coast everywhere. I would almost look at it as, uh, you know, Indian summer. Mm-hmm. You, know? <laughs> you know what that yeah. is, Caleb. There is that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're, you know, it's just I, I continuing more black on. over that. That was a great I, picture. If, if anybody hadn't seen it. The water did chill. You know, it chilled off of some with these little fronts, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, I really haven't seen anything that, that would make me think that we're going to get another one, you know, in the next week or so. Yeah. Uh, so I would probably just continue on with what I've been doing, you know, going up in those lakes and chasing redfish. Uh, I don't know what the shrimp have done cause I haven't been out there, you know, uh, me and my shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know if they've moved out yet or not. We haven't had that big, bad cold front that really pushed them hard and then stayed cold mm-hmm. for multiple days. Uh, but even if they have, the mullet and everything are still going to be working, you know, moving around pretty good. All the bait fish is still plenty warm enough for the bait fish to be out there. Yeah. Uh, I would get up shallow and start throwing some top waters early. Probably. You, you both mentioned, uh, you know, how, how things are going to be pretty stable and, 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 uh, bait. Um, what I'm thinking is I'm listening to you is you should be able to, to see the, you know, see plenty of bait. And I would definitely work that bait, man. Uh, because, uh, it's been, more so than ever, you know, where there's bait, there's fish. Uh, if you just throw blind casting into something you think is a little fishy and it's not real fishy, like a slick or something, uh, you might be um, SOL, as they say. Um, before we get out of here, um, I mentioned uh, happy birthday to Scott, which uh, happy birthday. Um, but you got a calendar out and I, I want to do some Christmas, uh, some last minute Christmas shopping here. 
Um, your calendar is out. The Bite Me Gear is at scottknollphotography.com if you want to get that uh, special someone or yourself uh, some uh, representation of this podcast that we love to do for you guys. Um, is that where they can get your calendar too? And tell me a little bit about it. Right. It's uh, photos I took on the Sick Dog Ranch during the contest, mm-hmm. and we made a calendar out of it. Uh, Camille did all the heavy lifting as usual. Yeah. And yeah. she, it's a limited number, limited run. I think. 25 or 50 or something like that but uh you can go on to the bite me uh bite me gear page and it's in there at the at the bottom of the page yeah it's gotten photography.com there's a bite me products page and we put it in in that section in fact she just went to the post office about an hour ago and if you ordered one prior to today it went out uh, this afternoon oh good deal Uh, so yeah, there's there's still plenty of them there. Uh, get them get them ordered. Mm-hmm. Got some cool photos in there. Yeah, it's just, oh no, I, I was looking at I some know, of them. Um, I know a lot of people don't use a regular calendar anymore, but I kind of like it. I like yeah, put it in your office, man. Calendar. Yeah, yeah, put it on your on on your office. Um, and then um, you know, early Christmas shopping. We've mentioned uh, FTU a bunch of times uh, today on the on the episode, and uh, certainly go there and. Uh, anglers anonymous uh, our guy mike has still got that christmas sale which is really cool if you want to get them for yourself or not costa del mar 20 percent off he's got the the sims waiters grundens uh florida fishing products 15 percent off i mentioned deadly dudley knock and tail i would highly recommend both those um wade Wright. um wow i mean uh the bite me 20 uh promo at coastalfishinggear.com has been taken off I, I i everywhere i go now when i'm wade fishing or even at the dock or the ramp i see guys with the the wade right belts and the wade right madre sling which i like which is really cool if you're just going to do a little quick quick hitter from your house and you're driving to to where the pier or the jetties or, or to your boat you know kayak whatever the 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 madre sling is really really good and then there's this which i was uh i was i was sharing with uh scott and uh pat gardner and we mentioned it last week um old chet man at the at freedom boats he's got that 26 in the works um and I, i'm I'm guessing it's going to be ready to go 26 footer like my 23 foot warrior which is a bad mamma jamma um he'll have that going by uh, scott you were telling me you chatted with him a little bit by july yeah, I, I talked to him about it and he said uh it's a 2023 model mm-hmm. so according to the coast guard he can't get approval to put it out until the 2023 boats i don't i don't understand all that coast guard stuff on that mm-hmm. but uh it'll it'll be that model and he can bring it out july 1st and uh, i'm guessing it's going to be much the same design as my warrior which is huge uh, so i can't even imagine uh so that'll be cool and caleb you got uh your 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 christmas uh, wish list for anybody who wants to uh you know who wants to add some some things here before we get to, to the holiday and we have some stuff over at lostbarrowgear.com if if you're if you're uh, so inclined. Um, I've been I've actually been doing a bunch of videos for people this Christmas. I saw the one but, you sent for me. That was really cool. Yeah. How does that uh, work? Well, that what I sent you. I, I so what I don't talk about is on the side. Um, I do the video graphic design for companies and make. Uh, they just send me stuff that they they just say put this in there and I make a. I make commercials for them and send it to them. And they use it for propaganda to send to their clients and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I've been doing some videos for like a, you know, wife calls me and, Hey, my husband's a, a, a fan and he'd like to go with you, but I don't know when to go. And 
or, you know, my kid or somebody. So I've been doing videos like that where, you know, it's a personalized video sent to that person. And like a cameo. What, Are y'all familiar with cameo? Yeah. Something like that, except I don't charge anything. I should probably, yeah. but, uh, you should do buy me cameos. And for those who don't know, it's basically, you can get, you know, uh, people of, uh, some notoriety and celebrity to send you personalized messages. Uh, I, I was for- going to go for Gary Bucci, but, but he was like, uh, like $400 or something, but I yeah. thought it'd be worth it. You know, it's like 30 uh, seconds or a minute. We should do some bite me cameos, right? Yeah. Hey, so Bob, I've been, I, this is I've John Lopez. Like <laughs> Happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs> I think we've stumbled oh. upon another, uh, you know, brilliant idea here, but anyway, go ahead and finish uh, Caleb. What you got going? But yeah, no, we got some stuff at Lost Barrel Gear. I got stuff up Angler's Anonymous. If y'all are looking for some last minute stuff, we've got it there. If, uh, I mean, all I want for Christmas is for people to come subscribe. I think I'm like 50 away from 10,000. So that would that? be, that would be a Christmas present for Caleb. I got 9,899 subscribers. I need 101. Oh, uh, if you, I've had the guy walk up to me and they show me like, man, love your stuff, but it's, sorry, I don't subscribe to anything. Click come the red on, button, man. It's free. Come but, on, man. I just want I just want to say I got five figures. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh fun show. Uh once again, everybody have a great Christmas, man. Uh be safe. Uh get out on the water if you can. Uh and uh catch a, a whole bunch of fish. Uh, we really, really do it. 2021 uh has been absolutely fantastic for us, despite all the things that are less than fantastic in, in the real world sometimes. Uh we owe you guys so so much. Um, and next week's show is going to be, uh, the recorded live, uh, broadcast from fishing tackle unlimited. So Scott, I, I know you probably want to echo my sentiments because, uh, I can't thank our listeners enough and, uh, absolutely not just Merry Christmas, but thank you for 2021 and, and thank you for, uh, what's going to be a better 2022. Yeah, it's, it's so cool to see it you know, grow and keep, keep going. Yeah. I had never had the slightest idea that this was going to take off like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, having people walk up to me when I'm standing in a store and just out of the blue, Hey, you're Captain Scott you know, pumping gas, you know, different things. I've had, I don't know, probably 20, 30 interactions this past <laughs> year with different people just walking up and introducing themselves, which is cool. You know, don't hesitate. If you see me out somewhere, Oh yeah. I'm talking. Go ahead, Caleb. Yeah, no, it's 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 been it's been a thrill. I mean, what are we at? Two years now? Three years? Three years, right, Scott? I think it's been a while. Three years. Mm -hmm. It's been a while, you know. I've been off and on, and to get brought on full time this year was, you know, it's about the only good thing I can say about twenty (laughs) twenty one. It 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 the friendships and stuff that we make, um, you know, it's 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 awesome, you know, and you know, people walk up to me at the grocery store i'm like oh you're that guy that runs his boat in the grass and i'm like look i did it once all right yeah no but it, it's become a family it really has you know we were at that ftu thing and i was looking at a at pam everett's cookbook which by the way is really cool the seafood cookbook mm-hmm. and uh i said man i'd like to have one of those and and john one of the listeners next thing i know he comes and hands me one he picked one up went and bought it brought it back had Pam sign it. Pam said, don't screw up my recipes. Thank you, Pam. Um, <laughs> but it just, there, there's so much generosity and, and we're going on three years of a Facebook page that I don't think I've seen any malicious intent on right. in three years. And right. that's something to be said. This is a very special group and I'm very excited to see where it goes and very uh, just flattered and humbled to be a part of it. So thank you. To, thanks to y'all. And thanks to everybody that, that takes time to listen to us once a week. 
Awesome. Uh, couldn't have put it better myself, so we'll end it on that. You guys catch some fish. There will be a podcast next week. Uh, it's just going to be the recorded one. So uh, we will talk to you uh, a little more in real time uh, in 2022. You guys catch a bunch of fish. You see me out in the water. Uh, wave your arms. I'll come say hello. I'm sure the same is true with Caleb and Scott. Uh, y'all have a good one. Catch them up. We'll talk to you next time.